Hey guys, Clyde here, and welcome back to Scanline Vibes, the podcast where we kick back and tell a few stories about our favorite video games. Today I'm joined by Andrew, and the two of us dive into one of the most important and iconic JRPGs ever created, Final Fantasy VII. We talk about our favorite characters, the story, our favorite scenes, we dive into Sephiroth, the upcoming remake, and I've sampled in enough Final Fantasy VII music to probably get sued. Please don't sue me, Square Enix. So yeah, we had a wonderful conversation, and I hope you guys enjoy. This is Final Fantasy VII, here on Scanline Vibes. Mr. Andrew, welcome to Scanline Vibes. Hey man, it's great to be here. Dude, it is a freaking honor to have you on. You are one of the first people that was listening to the podcast. It is so cool that it's kind of like come full circle, and now you're actually like on the podcast. Yeah, I know. I wanted to be on a couple. I just didn't know if I had the proper setup or tools, and apparently all it takes is a phone. <laughs> yeah, right. 2019 for you, for the win. I actually, I've got to say right out the gate, I want to apologize to both you and your brother. Uh, the Legend of Ligaya episode content, you guys had submitted amazing content for it, and I was so... I was so obsessed with like recording the episode at the moment. I would completely forgotten that I had stories back-ended. I apologize. From the bottom of Clyde's heart, I apologize. It's no big deal. We were uh, we were just excited to hear about it, and we're uh, listening to the episode. You kind of wait. You know, you're waiting the whole time for the, here comes the story section. Here it comes. Here it comes. Oh, they're wrapping up. Yeah, yeah. I was like, <laughs> I, I looked at the the, uh, the notes afterwards, and I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> I completely missed that section. So, yeah, that is my bad. But in, in exchange, I will have you guys on the podcast. How does that sound? That's a pretty good deal, right? Sounds good, man. Yeah. Well, today we are covering, man, I think it's I think it's also fair to say we are covering a game quite a bit more legendary than Legend of Ligaya today. <laughs> Just a little bit. It got, Legend of Ligaya got kind of overshadowed by this one. Yeah, this, man, I think there's no, there's no doubt among any RPG fan or JRPG fan, Final Fantasy VII has got to be one of the most important, groundbreaking, epic role-playing games of all time. Yeah, it is. It's... Still big to this day. Was it 20 years later? More than 20 years, 25? Where are we at now? 30 years? Yeah. I don't know, man. Yeah, a ton of time later, and people are still talking about it. They're still diving into it. They're still analyzing it. And, of course, with the, with the remake on the horizon, like, I mean, I don't see the train stopping anytime soon. Not to mention the just the fresh releases on the Switch and the Xbox and all that stuff. Gonna All the new players out there are surprise number of players who've never even played the game before that are experiencing it for the first time right that's man that's actually kind of mind-boggling when you think about it. it's it's funny because i just assume in 2019 everybody's played it but you're totally right like there are kids growing up that have never played it before when was the first time you actually sunk your teeth into final fantasy 7 oh man it actually wasn't i actually had uh, played lagaya and final fantasy 8 both before i actually got my hands on 7 um wow because we had yeah we had a uh a game store like we all did when we were kids. We'd go there and we had seen the case and we'd picked it up and mm. rushed home. And, you know, back then on the old PlayStation days, that disc, it wouldn't load through the opening cutscene for Final Fantasy VII. It would just freeze over and over and over. Oh. So we had, take, we had to take it back and we moved on to other things. Like, uh, it'll be mentioned in our Ligaya story whenever we had picked up Ligaya because we saw a little blue-haired guy on the front. Yeah. Played, played that and eventually hit eight. And then it wouldn't be many years later Maybe another two or three years. I was well into almost 
late grade school or early high school for I even got my hands on a working copy of Final Fantasy Seven. Wow, that is crazy. That's man, that's almost that's a total tragedy, right? Like you and your 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 family were so hyped to play seven and then that disc is scratched. Like, dude, that's gutting, man. That is gutting. <laughs> it was bad. Jeez. Yeah. I, I mean, I gotta say though, like at least you guys had other games to fall back to. Like Lega Le- 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 is a pretty amazing game too in its own right. So, you know, thank goodness there were other things around. Ironically, I may have actually played through Agaia more times than I've actually completed Seven all the way through, just because that's where I started. Agaia may have been my first RPG. I can't quite remember, but I don't want to spend this whole thing talking about Agaia. So yeah, yeah. Oh man! So when you actually did get to play FF Seven, like you know, whether it was years later or months later, did it actually live up to the hype for you, or did you were you disappointed, or how did you feel about it playing it for the first time? I was completely blown away. Uh, even it, it had been years since I'd seen it and everything, the art, the combat, the music, everything was more than I could have ever hoped it would have been. Yeah, I think when I whenever I think about Final Fantasy VII, um, I'm always just blown away by how special that opening is to the game. Um, like the, just the opening of the city and of Midgar and how dramatic it is and the train sequence and the reactor. And it's like... Dude, they, I think of all the things in 7 that they really had at the park, one of the things that I'm most blown away by is just how fantastic the opening is to Final Fantasy 7. Yeah, I agree. You don't really see anything else like Megara across any other RPGs as far as I can remember. That's a very large city. And then the flying in as it flies in and zooms all the way down to the train. It's just it's so epic. And then you can condenses you all the way down to the moment where you're taking over. It's still... It's still crazy to see even today, even with the regular game and even those those Unreal Engine remakes videos they did. Like either way, either version, yeah, still amazing. Yeah, you're gonna you're gonna think this is really cheesy of me, but um, uh, one of the one of the big things that started Scanline Vibes as a podcast was actually a thread on Reddit. I saw um, I saw a thread on Reddit that was like, "What is your favorite JRPG city or or like town?" And I was shocked to see that nobody had listed Midgar. Like, nobody in the thread had listed Midgar. And I was like, holy crap, guys. Like, Midgar is... To me, Midgar is so amazing. I honestly believe it could be a real place. I mean, that's how well-developed it is to me. Uh, I'm hard-pressed to think of another city off the top of my head at the moment. Yeah, yeah, totally. And it's like, it's so detailed. And there's so there's so many interesting characters and... Um, I guess if I if I were to like ask you, what do, what do you think makes Midgar a special place? What is it like? Could you put your finger on that? That's a tough one. Oh, man. I say it's it's got to be that atmosphere. Yeah. And all the communities and people you see throughout, just in the small piece of Midgar that we even see, you see so many different people and so many different all those communities. I don't know. It's just yeah. It's just so unique. Yeah, I'm right there with you. I totally agree. Have you, out of curiosity, um, have you ever ridden a train? That's, that's like a random question, right? Have you ever ridden a train in your life? I know it's... Uh, oh, go ahead. Twice. Uh, once with my kid a while back, and then me and my girlfriend one time took a... Uh, they did a Valentine's Day murder mystery ride on a train where we rode a train for like two or three hours in one direction, and they did a play for us in the train. Wow. And rode it. Yeah, that it was pretty neat. That is so all- sick. Yeah, it was pretty cool. Dang. I. The reason I ask is because... When I played FF7 as a kid in the U.S. for the first time, 
I had never, and in my entire adult life in America, I had never ridden a train once. Um, it wasn't until I actually went abroad that I, I rode a train, and immediately I got Midgar vibes riding trains in Japan because I felt like they felt just like the trains in Midgar, if that makes any sense. No, we're... Were you doing the, were you backflipping off of trains and all the fun stuff they do in seven? Exactly. Right. My spiky hairdo. Yeah. I totally had it all going on. Uh, yeah, no, it's, it's amazing to me how Japanese the game feels after visiting Japan, but even still, like I just, I stand in awe of Midgar as a location just for how rich it feels and how, uh, just how intense it feels. It's so much more intense and alive than like a lot of JRPG cities. That's, that's the feeling I get at least. Even though we got bits of uh, other pieces of Megar in the, was it Before Crisis or Crisis Core and stuff like that, yeah. you feel like there could be whole other games that just, that never leave Midgar. Yeah. I know Seven, Seven was a much grander ordeal, but even if we still only seen small bits, there's no telling the untold stories inside that city. Yeah, I totally agree. And it's, it's like, man, I guess it's kind of, it feels cyberpunk to me, or it feels kind of steampunk. Uh, it's like futuristic, but it's also uh, like a pinch in New York. I, I really honestly can't even diagnose all the elements that make up Midgard and make it what it is, but it just it feels like Gotham City to me, kind of. Cyberpunk is often something that people mention, I think, alongside Seven. Even before Cyberpunk was really a, a big thing, is it's becoming a bigger thing now in games these days. Yeah. It, let me. I'm going to ask you, actually, I'm going to ask you a piercing question. Do you yep. think, like, it, for, the, for, the, for Final Fantasy VII as a whole... A very large part of that game takes place in Midgar early on. Like I think, man, it's it's a it's a huge part of the whole first disc, and if not the entire first disc. And do you think mid? Do you think Final Fantasy VII as a game holds up as well after the party leaves Midgar, or do you think it's it's better in Midgar? Well, that's tough to say. There's a there's a lot of game after Midgar. It yeah. is an early point. I don't. Uh, man, that's tough. Uh, I was thinking about it earlier. I don't think. When you leave Bidgar, finally, they don't. The game doesn't really treat it as a, a grand a moment as it actually, as a player, as it feels like when you leave. Yeah. They just kind of, they kind of just hop down that rope and just run off. Yeah. I mean, I get some of the characters are from outside Midgar, so maybe it's not a big deal to them. Mm. I don't know. To, for everybody who plays that game, just leaving there, just some, maybe even think you won't ever go back. Oh. Yeah, yeah. I actually, I remember thinking the first time I played the game when I left Midgar and then all of a sudden you're on the overworld map and you, it looks just like any other Final Fantasy game at that point. It's like green grass, blue skies, small towns with chocobos running around. And I'm like, whoa, this game just changed completely. Like I went from, I went from like the slums of Midgar to like retro Final Fantasy in like a blink of an eye. I it felt almost disjointed to me in a way did you get that same vibe or or did you feel like it was all cohesive uh, yeah i still feel the the just disjointedness of it all because it like i said it is so sudden yeah like there's within minutes you're just outside wandering or walking on this huge map and who knows how big this map is you know when you first run out there and you can go in any direction you spin you know you're spinning the camera and that new the the overworld theme kicks in for the first time and you're just I was pretty much at all when I was a kid. The first time I did, not knowing where to go, and then yeah, all of that. Oh yeah, and then running into um, I don't know if you remember the giant snake thing. There's this giant horrifying snake thing. Uh, the Midgar Zolum. Yeah. Yeah. I, I played. I did. I did play the game. Uh, I platinumed it on PS4. Uh, 
maybe three or four months ago. So I'm, I'm running off a few recent memories. Oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. Was it like overall, did it hold up pretty well in your memory or? Oh, definitely. Even, uh, I would, <laughs> the Zolum itself isn't as terrifying, uh, when you're running on PS4 or any, any of the modern consoles with all the, uh, the, they call them enhancements, which is basically cheats. You're kind of invulnerable and your lim- limit breaks always full. Gotcha. But, uh, it's not as terrifying, but, uh, when I was a kid, when you walk out in that water, and it's one of the, it's one of the one of the scariest moments in early gaming for me. Oh yeah, not knowing what it was and what it was going to do to you, and then when you fight it unprepared, it just destroys you, and you're like, well, and then you think maybe I shouldn't go that way. Yeah, I think the reason it freaks me out so much as a kid is like in in Final Fantasy VII, most enemy enemy encounters are you don't see them coming; they're just kind of random encounters. But with that snake in the water, the fact that you could see its shadow like like coming through the water at you, that always scared the crap out of me. You know how many times you tried to run across that water without a chocobo before you gave up? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> it's like, oh, dude, that thing was nightmare fuel. Like, ah. Oh. <laughs> So would you would you say is it fair to say that Midgar is your favorite area of the game, or is there somewhere else that's really special to you? Yeah, it's maybe maybe easy to say, but I think Midgar throughout everything, I think Midgar kind of has to take the cake. You know, it's there's just so much there, and nothing else is nowhere near as big or as dense as Midgar is, even throughout the rest of the game. Yeah, I think for me a sec, I guess a second place would probably be the Golden Saucer. Yeah, or I'm, I'll say Gold Saucers are amazing. I would think maybe uh, Nibelheim. God, what's the name of the, is is Nibelheim the town with the with the like the, the laboratory where you go down and is that where Vincent is? Is that Nibelheim or is that a different town? That's Nibelheim. Yeah. That is totally Nibelheim. That oh my gosh, that town has some of the freakiest sequences in FF7 to me. It's like seeing the the backstory unfold and seeing like the characters lose their minds and go crazy. It's just oh dude, that Nibelheim is great too. Running around that empty mansion. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Oh man, that thing was definitely nightmare fuel. <laughs> Jeez. So, did you have a? You just replayed the game. You just replayed the game and you platinumed it. Can I ask what was your final party when you platinumed the game? Uh, uh, could be Cloud, uh, Barrett, and Sid. Really? Any reason on those three? Uh, it'd be <laughs> Omni Slash, Catastrophe, and High Wind. From what I could tell, the hardest hitting of the airbase limit breaks gotcha 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 just pure damage output no story allegiance for andrew just like i want to do the most damage possible <laughs> yeah because i'm not uh, uh, we'll probably get into characters a bit but i'm not i don't a lot of people seem to like barrett i'm not not terribly i know he's funny and stuff i'm not terribly blown away by barrett but everybody likes cloud i get that that's my guy too and I always uh doug uh sid's personality and how he speaks aside from trash talking his woman uh, he's pretty great. He don't get a lot of story uh, development, you know, because you get him so late, kind of so late in the game. He don't get a lot of story, but yeah, it's about for me. It's about the power. Nothing. I mean, really, all you need is Omni Slash. But the, the other two final limit breaks that takes care of anything in the game. Yeah, so that's actually that's a really good place to kind of go is into the characters. I think um, if you if yeah. you'd honestly asked me what my final party was in the original game when I played it, I honestly couldn't tell you. It would probably have been cloud maybe like kate sith yuffie and and i know those are horrible characters so don't judge don't judge me um you're, you're the first person i would ever hear i think to actually even use kate sith when it was wasn't ever required yeah yeah the reason and this is going to sound so stupid the reason i used kate sith and you're going to think this is the stupidest thing ever is that when i was in the submarine one time like under the under the ocean i accidentally ran into emerald weapon 
and I was getting ready to just lose. I was getting ready to just game over, and Kate Sith Limit Break slots and slot machine won the encounter. He just rolled the instant win, and I was like, dang, Kate Sith, like, you earned a spot in my party. Let's go. Was he ever helpful ever again post that encounter? Pro- honestly, probably not. Pro- probably He probably just took up a, a valuable spot, spot, but that was... Speaking of luck, I did manage. You, you've heard of the, the fabled uh, the 7777 seven, seven health thing? I have. I've never encountered that. Did you actually do that? Not not this past playthrough, but once, one time when I was a kid, I, I, had, I took a picture and everything on, on, on a flip phone. Wow. Golly, 10, 10, 10 or, golly, 10, I'm old, 10 or 15 years ago. I, it happened and I was in the arena. This is way back, you know, no cheats or no nothing. Yeah. I didn't, I didn't, just running in the arena and something where they like clicks like your health health gets funny in the arena and hit the seven 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 thing whatever and i thought i was like sweet i'm, I'm going to win everything in the arena because of this mm. uh and get hot and get uh omni slash the legit way and um, unfortunately that thing uh every fight in the arena counts as a separate fight and as soon as you end the fight with that ability it it knocks your health down by one and it ends it so it, it, it lasted all of four seconds oh wow i did not know that it, it knocked your health down by one that is so garbage that keeps you from running into every battle because people have found you on the internet. You see people have found ways to get certain characters HP just right yeah. for a battle, and then when you end the battle, it knocks your it automatically the the game knocks your HP down by one, so you can't keep running the whole game like that. Dang man, that's crazy. Well, it's cool that you've at least confirmed it exists. I've never even experienced it, so man, you're living proof, dude. <laughs> That has got to be one of the rarest things to do in Final Fantasy VII is to actually see that. And yeah, I have never seen it. I think I probably never will. Yeah, that's not all. It's literally just kind of the the name and everything goes all rainbowy. He just starts hitting. He just starts attacking. I had Cloud, of course, in the arena. Yeah. He just kind of attacks a bunch. It's not maybe all it's hyped up to be, but it is. He just kind of wins the fight for you, and it's kind of over. So. Yeah. Well, let's let's break down the characters. Who are your favorite characters from a just a character standpoint or a story standpoint, and who are your like your most hated characters? Like, get get the hell out of here. <laughs> I could say I could probably do without uh, Kate Sith. So, yeah, yeah. By the way, he's—I don't know. Uh, I did. His story was a little better as my more recent playthrough. I guess I didn't. I guess when I was a kid, I didn't understand who he was, and when you find out he's a a guy working at Shinra, puppeting the whole the whole spy storyline. I guess that's kind of interesting. But yeah. it's never. Yeah. I'm gonna. I agree. It doesn't make a whole lot of sense from like a story point of view at all. Like the whole thing is very hard to follow, and it's very weird. Yeah, and he betrays you, any, and y'all still. I don't think y'all don't even slap him on the wrist or nothing. He just starts following you again, and everybody just goes along with it. Yeah, not. There's not a whole lot of sense to be made there, but but even though there is a Kate Sith character in the game, there are a lot of great characters though. Uh, I should say the easy one's Cloud. Everybody loves Cloud. Everybody uh, loves Cloud. How about do you? So you're not as hype on Barrett as everybody is. Oh, I get the 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 Mr. T thing. Everybody thinks it's really funny. That's a that's actually a, a translation, uh, not an error, but a, a funny translation thing. He actually doesn't originally doesn't speak like that in the uh, in apparently in Japanese. Oh wow. He doesn't speak like Mr. T. Yeah, that that was a that was a, the translator did that for who knows what reasons. Man. It's Tifa. Uh, Tifa just never really seems as important as the game wants you to think she is, I guess, to me. Yeah, yeah. I, never, I never really got super attached to her. I didn't use her beyond the beginning of the game where you have, where it kind of, she's just in your party. She's always kind of, I mean, even 
you know, spoiler alert, even after Eris's death, mm-hmm. she still doesn't bounce kind of back into the story. Like it, they, they push her aside and then the whole thing becomes about Eris throughout the whole game. So even after her death, Tifa never steps kind of Tifa never steps back into the spotlight. Yeah, I I completely feel the same, and it's kind of a shame because she clearly has a really cool relationship with Cloud in the past. Like, there's clearly a great relationship like foundation there, but it's a shame they didn't the writers didn't find a way to kind of extend it into the present in the game because she is a cool character and she's a pretty strong character, but she doesn't, you're you're, the way you said it's perfect. Like she doesn't actually step back into the spot, into the spotlight later in the game. And yeah, it's kind of a shame. Yeah. She gets, she does what she gets is that, uh, when cloud is sick or whatever way late in the game and she, even when she hangs around him and they do the, the whole, Oh God, what do you call it? Mako dreamland thing that, that that whole sequences are about cloud. Like she's there, but she's not really participating. Right. You know about Eris, Red Thirteen. Yeah, that's never, never particularly. A, I always found his his story be so confusing because uh, you don't see much other of his people. You know, you kind of see yeah. his dad, I guess. And you hear about his mom, but I always wonder why there was no other. Maybe they address it in the game. I don't remember why there was no other. Whatever creature Red Thirteen is, why there was no other of him running around. It'd be, it'd have been cool if Cosmo Canyon was just full of his little wolf people running around. Yeah, I totally agree. That was also a missed opportunity with him because it's clear that they spent a lot of time designing that character because Red Thirteen like looks pretty cool and he's got some pretty cool design elements. But yeah, it's a shame we don't get to see more of his kind, especially in Cosmo Canyon. Like if anywhere, that's definitely where they'd be hanging out. You do like even in that the post credit thing when you beat the game you see some other little red 13 creatures running around it yeah. makes you wonder where, how does uh how did he have babies like where did they, right. where did they come from <laughs> right you yeah it's like the other ones <laughs> yeah. unless, unless hojo wasn't really dead then he got a hold of them again and made more babies i don't know yeah yeah that's that's a great point i had not considered that but yeah no i remember that that final cutscene, seeing them like run up the rocks and thinking like yeah. is that red 13 or is that somebody else and if so like where did the offspring come from <laughs> Or some sort of ancestor. Either way, it doesn't add up. But. Yeah. <laughs> How did you feel about the before we get into Sid? Because I think Sid is probably a, a pretty heavy character. But before we before we get into Sid, how did you feel about the optional characters in the game, like Yuffie and Vincent? Vincent is, I think, vastly underused mm. for the parts that uh, you find out who he is and he's attached to. I can't remember her name. I'm sorry. The, the his his wife. Oh God, what was her name? It was like Luciana. Lucina. Yeah, you're right. I think it's like Luciana. Lucina. And you 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 talk to her like twice. You know, you don't get you get one conversation with Vincent, and you talk to her like twice, and get some vague idea of who she was and stuff like that. And it's like they took the time to design this character and put a little bit in there. I don't know why they didn't flesh out. The whole thing, like there could have been a lot more there for his character. Lucretia, I think, is, is how you say it. Lucretia is how. You say it. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I completely agree. Uh, one of my best friends growing up, Vincent, was his favorite character, and he would always, always, always put Vincent in his party. And as somebody who didn't use Vincent, it was always neat seeing his limit breaks and seeing how he'd transform and do crazy attacks. Definitely an, yeah. an interesting part of that character. I don't. I don't know sure they. Ex- I guess it was the same. I guess were experiments were done on him. I don't know if, if if that was Hojo's predecessor, which had done experiments on him to turn him into those creatures that he becomes. Yeah, I think so. I think that's exactly what it was. I think Hojo, because you see stuff with uh, Lucretia. Lucretia. Yeah, yeah, with her being with that same. Guy. I can't remember like, the predecessor. You know, Hojo was the learn from some other guy. I can't remember his name. Yeah, uh, killing me. But they do a whole thing. Uh, 
where, oh my God, there's a whole set of cutscenes for them up in the snow town mm. that I found by accident on my last playthrough. Oh, wow. And actually scenes in this room, you go touch this computer and you get a bunch of scenes with Lucretia and this other scientist and they're just like talking. So there's some weird backstory for her. There's no room. I don't think there's any mention of Vincent there, mm. but you get all that backstory for her there. Oh, that's crazy. I, that's so neat. Yeah, it's the first time I've ever seen that. I was poking around the game because I don't know. I was just you know trying to get a full experience of it. Right. Uh, yeah. How about uh, how about Yuffie, the the frantic ninja? <laughs> uh, she's all right. Uh, I guess she, I don't know what they were shooting for with her. If she would be comic comic relief of some sort, or because there's not really seven's so dark and just brooding a lot of the time maybe they had thought she would be some sort of comic relief but she also doesn't get a whole lot of uh screen time or that much written dialogue it seems even when you visit her little her little hometown that that whole thing that entire whole section could be wrapped up in an hour or two yeah it's really fast and it's not even if i recall correctly it's not even mandatory right so you could just completely miss it completely optional yeah yeah it's definitely an odd an odd element for that character, but I think of of those characters and of the main party, as much as Sid is, uh, as 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 rough of a character Sid is, I think he's got a really clear voice as a character, right? Like, how do you feel about Sid as a character? I've always liked him. Uh, always a bit a bit torn, you know. Even recently, playing, liking him and the way he acts and his drive for everything he does. And then you see the way he treats his girlfriend, I guess, because he, yeah. he, he, ref- he refuses to marry her. And then he's so, so bad to her. And you even see what she did. I mean, she did kind of ruin his dreams indirectly. Yeah. Uh, but I don't know. I always felt like he was a little, I mean, I don't know if you, was the last time you played it, but he, he is really, really mean to her. I oh, mean, no, he, I remember. I remember he's, he is he is very cold to her. I believe he says really, like, nasty things to her, and he even tells the party, like, oh, don't worry about her. She's just some stupid broad or something. Like, he's... It's pretty much that bad. It's bad enough that I'm surprised none of the other characters speak up to defend her. Yeah, even yeah. Even one stranger. It'd be, a, it'd be an awkward... You know, they're all sitting there. I guess she's making tea. And he's just like hollering at her and yelling at her, do this. And you, you think somebody would be like, hey, man, yeah, calm down. It's just tea. You know, we're okay. And I think what makes it even worse is that she feels like she deserves it. Like, she doesn't stick up for herself. Yeah. So she's like, oh, no, I ruined his life. So I totally deserve to be treated like trash. And I'm like, damn, like, this is awful. Yeah, she never, she never speaks. She never talks back. She never, never defends herself. None of it. Does, um, man, re- refresh my memory. Does he ever... Does he ever go full circle with her at the end of the game? Does he ever apologize to her, or do they ever have a moment of reconnection? When I remember, as, well, as I mentioned earlier, for Sid, you get that that kind of big dump when you see him, and then you go back and you get the whole past, the whole what she did, and all that stuff. And I don't think he, forgive me, but I don't know, I don't think he reconciles with her. Yeah, I don't, I don't remember because uh, he because you don't spend that much time with Sid's story. Like you really go back there, you're there real quick for the rocket because you got to you got to get the the huge material or whatever it was you're, you're there for a specific thing yeah it's not about it's not about sid you're boom you're in you're out and then you're gone and like sid's story is just done like it's yeah yeah i'm on the exact same page it feels like a lot of those a lot of the characters are so their their designs are so cool and they're, they're clearly a lot of time and attention went into the characters but it's a shame that in the game we don't get to spend more time with them and especially that we don't get to see how their how their stories kind of wrap up maybe it was uh 
all the ambition put into seven as a project, maybe the scope was a little bigger than yeah. they could handle at the time. You know, Final Fantasy was already pretty successful, I, I assume, back then. But mm. the big push for seven, you know, all everything new about seven. Uh, maybe there was just all the time was mostly spent on getting all the systems and all the graphics and the cutscenes. All the technology went into the game that they maybe didn't have time to wrap up. There's probably so many stories that were in the writers' heads that we never got put into the game. That's why we get half of a thing for Yuffie and half or you know, a little less for Vincent. These characters might have had fully fleshed out whole things way back in the day. We, we'll, we'll just never know. Yeah, it's, it's honestly perplexing to me because I feel like the team that made Midgar and that made Midgar so special, that feels like so much care and attention and time went into that, into creating that city, into creating the stories in Midgar and the slums and all the little houses you could walk through and all the little people you could meet. And it's it's bizarre because you spend so little time with Yuffie and and with and with Sid and and uh, and it's like I feel like you should learn more about these characters. I feel like there should be more t- time and care and attention to them. Hopefully, that's something they can build on, like in the lore in the remake, you know, in the in the re-release of FF Seven coming up. Um, hopefully, that's something they can actually like add on to because I think those characters are begging to have more meat on their bones and. They kind of deserve it, honestly. Yeah, I agree. I'm not sure if the the remake will be the right avenue for that. We'll see what kind of stuff they manage to pull off in that game. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 can, I can hear the tone in your voice. Are you more than a little cynical? How do you feel about that remake coming up? Uh, like most people, I I have to buy it. Like, yeah. As much as I'm uh, maybe angry at square these days with all the all the other garbage they put out and how the debacle of 15 and stuff like that you can't you can't wait your entire life you know my almost my you know however many years it's been your whole life waiting for the fabled seven remake and not buy it so i have to i have to give them my money i have to buy it but i don't have to like it when i play it (laughs) (laughs) hey that's Um, that's well said man from what they've shown it's they're making a game for they're making the game for modern audiences. They're not making the remake doesn't look to be like they're making the game for the fans that grew up with it. Yeah. So they've seen nothing besides pretty graphics and what looks like nearly Final Fantasy 15's battle system, which nobody ever asked for. Yeah, I completely agree. It looks it looks very very uh it looks the game looks catered towards the modern gamer and I I say that with a heavy heart because I'm right there with you. I've got to buy it day 1. I've got to play it. And just like you, I am hoping with all of my heart and soul that the game will be great. You know, I, I want I want it to be a successful game and I want it to be amazing. I do worry though, or I have I think I have the same worries that you do, that the the goal of this game isn't to relive the past or to you know to reintroduce the past to new gamers. It is to create a new vision and to introduce people to the to a new interpretation of seven. And I'm worried that it's gonna be a very, very different game. I'm I'm Man, I think I think not only does it have to be, it not not only does it have really big shoes to fill. It's already got massive shoes to fill, but it's like I don't know how you make everybody happy here. I don't know how you make the long term fans happy and appeal to modern gamers. And I think I agree with you. I wish they'd kind of taken a different direction with it, but it is what it is. Fingers crossed. I'm hoping it is worth the sixty or eighty bucks or whatever they charge for it. But man, fingers crossed. We're we're talking maybe 60 bucks per episode since they wanted to break it into episodes last we hear. Yeah, probably. So who, who knows? Uh, I don't know. Uh, 
I'm not, I'm not excited for it. I can say I can always just go back. I mean, I've, uh, I mean, I, I did the, I did the platinum on PlayStation. Mm-hmm. I'll play, I'll play the old seven again on Xbox. You know, I might play again on the Switch. No matter if the new remake is the biggest piece of garbage Square's ever put out, yeah. we still have the, we still have the original game to go back to, and they, they can't, they can't, you know, they can't ruin that. That's true. If, um, if you don't mind my asking, did you, when you played the game as a kid, I guess both, when you played the game as a kid and as an adult, and I guess since you platinumed it, you had, the answer has to be yes to this, but did you beat Emerald and Ruby Weapon? Uh, uh, not legitly. Uh, as a kid, never, because ah. it, uh, it's seemingly impossible, obviously. Unless yeah. you, as a kid, there's no internet telling you how to do it. Right. Uh, and now there's internet, there's tips, there's tricks, there's legit ways you know, using the game systems to do things to win, and I understood all that. Hmm. Uh, I used my thinking for my most recent playthrough is I have done play through the game, you know, a dozen times, who knows how many times, and completed as a kid. Yeah. My current playthrough was uh, to go ahead and use the enhancements that are built in, the inf- you know, the infinite health, whatever limit breaks, and hmm. all that stuff, to finally experience the things that I couldn't accomplish as a kid. Yeah. And I, you know, you know, some people get, they get all uh, antsy about, oh, you cheated, you did this, you didn't do it legitly. I was hey, like, I don't, no I way. I don't beat this game enough times as a kid. Like, I think yeah. I deserve. It. I mean, I my most that play that playthrough I did recently. Yeah, yeah. I completed the game in like around 35 hours. Now, how how often can you complete Final Fantasy VII in th- like 35 hours? Right. Without you can up the speed and up the stuff. So. I uh, I did met I did with those abilities uh, go and beat uh, Emerald who was no real trouble to be honest. Mm. Uh, you do find out that even with the enhancements you're not invincible. Because uh, mm. I, I saw my brother do this before too because he did the same thing. Yeah. Uh, you're you're it's like having super healing. Uh, if Emerald who can do it and also Ruby, if they hit your character for more HP than you have, they die anyway. Oh wow. You gotta still have to prep for the fights because you're actually not invincible. So it's huh. still it's still much easier than it, it deserves to be to beat Emerald. Ruby took some a bit of doing because uh, I thought you could just go in there and uh, Omni slash him to death, and yeah. that's not the that's oh. not the case not the case at all. Wow, he's, he's kind of basically immune to Omni slash. It's a, it's a complete and total waste of time. Hmm. I can't remember what I ended up doing uh, actually i had to can you use excuse me, had, can you use knights of the round on him yeah i think but uh you know i was using you know if you beat ruby you get the desert rose mm. which you trade to the, that little hidden guy for a gold chocobo that's which right you then yeah. use, which you then use to get knights of the round ah, unless gotcha. you want which you want to train chocobos to do that otherwise, which I don't know if anybody, I tried that when I was a kid and I, I got about as far as a blue chocobo before I gave up. Yeah. Uh, I, I can't remember what I did. I must've just summoned a bunch of Bahamut or something on him over, over and over again. Cause your physical attacks don't do it. Omni slash literally hits like all, every single attack from Omni slash hits for like 10 damage. You're watching a bunch of tens fly across the screen. You're like, Oh, this is going to take a while. Yeah. That's oh be, man. Yeah. Bahamut yeah. for the win then. Jeez. Yeah, it had to be. I think it was Muhammad. I don't know. Casting over. I don't mean it wasn't that long ago, but I can't remember what I did. But you did eventually beat Ruby. What was your favorite boss from Final Fantasy VII? Hmm. That is a tough one. There's a lot of great bosses in that game. Yeah, I like seeing the uh, the different iterations of Genova throughout. Yeah, I think 
those are a lot of the cool bosses. You don't see her very often and stuff like that. When you do, mm. you get a pretty wild, wild looking boss. And I think, I don't know if it plays every time, but I think she has her own, her own special boss music that plays when you, when you end up fighting Genova. Yeah. And you're right. All the forms of Genova looked really unique and really different too. And Man, I remember um, one of the forms you fight has some really cool like spells and abilities you can learn with enemy like enemy skill materia. Oh man, like learning learning a lot of those enemy skills was also something that I should have put more time into. I never really actually fully ex- experimented with that as a kid. I tr- <laughs> I tried on this re- on this recent playthrough. And I was like, I'm gonna I'm gonna do them all, and I can't even I didn't even fill out that materia halfway. Like it's there's some I still don't even don't even know where they are. I know the obvious ones you get like. Uh, beta from the Megar Zolum if it doesn't kill you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, uh, trying as a that little Triforce looking attack that hits you with the, the I think uh, the Materia Keeper. Yeah. That's a your Scorpion guy. He uses that. And I think one of the Genovas uses Trine or no, Aqualung. I think Aqualung might have been what you were thinking of. Yeah, I was definitely Aqualung. One of the Genovas uses Aqualung, and if that doesn't kill you, you learn it. Cause I think you have to survive the. I don't know if you have to survive the attack to learn it or not, but yeah, I remember. I remember I've, one. I've never completed the interior. One playthrough, I got Aqualung, and I remember using that for like I don't know, at least five hours after getting that skill. It was such a great skill. I was like, dang, this movie's this movie's awesome. Yeah, it's pretty powerful. It might be one of the more powerful ones. A lot of some of the other ones are like that. You one of the early ones that Matra missile or something like that. That don't do nothing. That's just kind of a joke move. I think it don't really do anything for you. Yeah, there was there were so hit and miss. Some were great and some were just totally crap. Yeah, I think there's lasers and other random things. Ugh. How did you How did you feel about the like the supporting cast in the game, like the Turks or about Hojo or about the other people that weren't quite the main villains of the game, but still recurring throughout the game. Uh, I always kind of wish, kind of wish you got a bit more of the Turks. I, I kind of felt bad for the guys. They, they, they're, uh, I mean, they're the bad guys. Of course, they're trying to kidnap heiress like forever. But yeah. They never, they're, they're just never enough to get through you guys. They try so many times and do so much work and, all the effort they, they just they just never make it and then if you you see them again and what we'll, we'll get to whatever they're they appear in advent children they still just they're just not up to task yeah I, yeah I, they, <laughs> they are a bunch of chumps i do feel like man these guys are poor chumps like they're not they're not even yeah. re- like relevant <laughs> well what you want to see what you forget about is your your characters are trying to superheroes now if we maybe saw the turks do some work on some regular people yeah. they may seem more more uh badass than they appeared when they're when you're beaten to the ground all the time that's true so like that's, they should have got some scenes where they were where they were rough and tumble on some normal people you know you know it's a few more scenes with them i feel like would have built their characters a little more yeah i man i totally feel you that reminds me like whenever i think of the like the turks i always think of like specifically the the, the place in midgar um, with and I don't even think the Turks even go to this area, which is strange for my, my mind to go here. But I remember the playground. Do you know the playground set in Midgar yeah. with uh, with like that? There's like a dog face slide. It's like a big. You go there. You go there pretty early with uh, you. St- you stop there with uh, with Eris while you're in the slums, and y'all sit on the slide and talk for a minute. Yeah, I loved. Man, I loved so many little sets in Midgar, and I loved how you could you could wander around and you could see everything, and the ground was kind of dirty, and there was always trash around, or the houses were open, and you could kind of wander through people's houses. It felt like 
there was so much care and attention that went into every little district and every little area in Midgar. And whenever I think of the Turks, I always my mind always goes back to Midgar because it's where you see them a lot of the time, right? Yeah, I bet they were pretty famous around Midgar. I, I bet the average Joe was was not messing with them. Yeah, definitely. Did you? That actually begs the question: Did you watch Advent Children? And if so, what did you think of it? I've watched, you know, there's two versions of Advent Children, mm-hmm. the original version that came out and then the Advent Children Complete. I've seen both of them. Uh-huh. Uh, it's a fun movie. Uh, the original version, you, you come to find out when you watch it, you're like, that was cool. I'm not sure I understood it. Mm-hmm. Uh, you So many years later, Advent Children Complete come out and you're like, what is this? And that, I think it adds a good 15 minutes to the movie, Yeah, which is about 15 minutes of plot that helps the movie make sense i'm not sure why we why we waited for two versions gotcha. and complete complete also uh slows down that you, you wouldn't notice uh, unless you saw it side by side uh but advent children also slows down the combat scenes so you can uh, kind of take in more what's happening because it happens so rapidly and so fast in the original version yeah oh man i remember i remember watching advent children and i loved the crap out of that movie it was like it was like Dragon Ball Z meets Final Fantasy VII, kind of. Yeah. Oh, man. It, may, it, it makes you wonder, like, why wasn't I jumping around and flying like a maniac in the original game? Like, they're so much cooler now than they were. Yeah, yeah. Is Man, That and that also that begs the question as well. Did you play Dirge of Cerberus? Uh, that was the, I think that was the PS2 game starring Vincent. Yeah. Uh, I say uh, maybe about an hour about as much as everybody else probably played that game. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, it, it doesn't, it was missing something. I don't know what it was, maybe because it was more of a shooter. I don't know. I honestly, I ironically, I I'm looking at a copy of the game that I own right now that I've never put in. Wow. But, uh, yeah, I've all, often thought about popping it in and seeing how it goes, but, uh, I don't know. It, maybe that's the more Vincent story that we, we, we were just talking about. Maybe that was their answer to it. And I don't, I don't know if anybody really, do you know anybody that really played that game and got anywhere in it? No, I don't. I, I know like my story was the same as yours. I played about an hour of it and I found it very different from final fantasy seven. And I had a couple friends that played it, but nobody really sang its praises. Nobody, um, nobody kind of came back and was like, you've got to play this. You know, it's like, it, it felt like very much a, a game that was for itself and not really for the larger Final Fantasy VII universe, which is kind of a shame because I think most people want to know what happens to the characters after Advent Children or what happens to the characters after Final Fantasy VII. I mean, I don't know. That's that's kind of the, the lingering questions I always had after the, the main game was over was what happened to Cloud and what happened to Cloud's friends? Yeah, I suppose we'll never know. I know that Dirge was the only, I think chronologically, Dirge is the only thing based after Advent Children. Everything else, all, all the other bits and pieces we got are pre seven or during with all the Zach stuff we got with Crisis Core. Yeah. That actually. We could, we're one, it makes you wonder that if in the remake, if. I don't know who's involved in the remake. I don't know if you know, if we if, if we know if, if any of the original developers are still around to mm-hmm. be involved in the remake to maybe expand these stories to even give us a little more like answer, answer what you think. You know, it could be a lot. You know, there just could be more scenes or just more stuff to add to all the characters in a remake. Maybe if we get at least that. Yeah, I'm also I'm I'm really interested to see if they keep a lot of the the Sid behavior in the game because. 
Like, I mean, in you know, in the in the '90s, that stuff flew, but in 2019, I don't know that a lot of that would fly in a modern game. I don't know. I mean, I think audiences would kind of freak out at it. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, I don't know if they'll keep it or not. I feel like you should just because that's what it was. But there's that they did promise. <laughs> you see, the they promised the supposedly clouds cross dressing is staying in. Oh, really? I didn't see that. That is crazy. They did a, they did a, a little announcement. I think. Uh, uh, Tetsuya Nomura, I think he tweeted or who knows what he did at some conference thing somewhere. He said, don't worry. And they, they showed a picture. Uh, you can probably Google it. There's a picture, there's a picture of the new the cloud the cloud and the new graphics with his hair tied up. Really? So, yeah, you can see that. I saw a snippet of it with that. So they're, they're doing stuff like that at least. I don't know if it'll be as strange as it was. There's some weird, weird scenes you can get into in that part of the game with cloud. Not just the, the cross-dressing is weird, but... Uh, the other stuff you get into, <laughs> yeah, uh, I don't know if, they'll, if that'll, that'll transfer well either. Yeah, but, uh, that I, was a really suggestive sequence in the game, and I, I've got to say it was like, it's so it's so crazy, right? That when Square set out to make Final Fantasy VII, they knew they were making one of the biggest upcoming JRPGs, his first really realized 3D world JRPG. And of all the things for them to include in their game, they included that sequence. Like, dude, those guys had balls of steel. Like, I, I don't think a lot of studios would do that today, right? Like, a lot of studios would go, nope, not going to touch that. That's way too dangerous. That's pretty cool that they had the guts to actually go out there and do that. Yeah, same thing Yeah, with that. And like you said, the, uh, the Sid stuff, uh... I don't know. Do you uh, you do you think the uh, you think the Sid stuff would be appropriate this day and age for his for his character? I I honestly I'd want them to keep it, but I would also want them to kind of bring his story full circle. I would want him. I would want a scene at the end of the game where he goes back to that chick and is like, "Okay, I've actually been really horrible to you. I've grown as a person." You know, like I I kind of wanted to see that, and I I don't. Um, I don't mind. I mean, I think obviously the way Sid treats that chick, I felt horrible. I was like, this is just awful to watch. But I will say this. I will I will at least say this. That at least made me react to it, right? Like, of all the characters in Final Fantasy VII, I didn't really react to a lot of them. And, and Sid as a character at least made me react to him. So he's got that going for him at least. Yeah, now that you're saying that, yeah, I, I see that too. He's the one person... You don't really see anybody else that nobody does anything kind of close to that, you know. And he starts just when he starts hollering, you're like, man, this guy's this guy's an ass. Like, yeah. What's his deal? Because at that time when you first see him, you don't know you don't know the story. So it's it's that's pretty powerful stuff, especially for a game of that time. Yeah. Uh, kind of thing. I don't know if anybody else has anything quite as like <laughs> domestic violence is a big deal. So I don't know if anybody else has anything quite as heavy as that everybody else everybody else's stuff is so mystical with magic and just you know call the clouds clone stuff it's all this other strange things that just happens in fantasy games that's all normal but then they hit you in the face with the domestic violence and you're like ah, whoa yeah wasn't ready for that and i think you uh, you you talked to sid before that so you already kind of get a hmm. a gauge of him you're like oh i kind of like this guy he's kind of he's kind of funny he's kind of cool and then you walk downstairs you know you, i think you're up in the rocket mm-hmm. and you go to you go down there. You like you go. Your first uh, first impressions are, oh, I like this guy. Yeah. And then immediately they they turn that corner. Minutes later, yeah. When you meet, God, I can't remember her name, which makes me feel bad too. We're talking like we're trying to defend her, and I can't remember her name. Yeah, I can't remember her name either. Let me just Google it really quick. God, Sid's girlfriend. What was her name? Is it Shara? Is her is her name? You got to it same time I did. 
Yeah, Shara. Shara. God, poor Shara, man. Like, I even, I, even I think, I'm looking at a picture of her character model, and she just looks sad. I'm like, dude, like, leave Shara alone. <laughs> do we? I don't know if we have the time frame of which, how many years he's been beating her down. Like, we don't even know how long it's been. Yeah. Which, it leads me, leads me back around to where you said you'd uh, for Sid's story you would you would you uh, you would prefer a reconcile over her uh, just being fed up maybe and leaving like ending his story not because I'm not always the biggest fan of a happy ending happy endings kind of wear me out sometimes so I would maybe get to a point where like, some other characters have happy ending I mean what well, Eris dies but you know, happy endings but I think if you would go back there at some point maybe she's you've been gone for so long that she's moved on. You go, you go back there and she's done moved on and met somebody else. And Sid's just like, Whoa, yeah, that's what I wanted. Uh, so I just, I don't know. You, you, you prefer that the happy. I, it's, I mean, I guess it's, I mean, yeah, probably the, the sentimental part of me does prefer a happy ending, but like, yeah. I just, I guess I just, I, I just want to avoid a, a tragic slave ending. <laughs> like I do feel in some ways that Shara's like, she feels so indebted to him. I mean, she feels like she owes her life to Sid. And I'm like, like, lady, like, he made the choice not to kill you. And yeah, it sucks that you were in there, but you were trying to help him accomplish what he was trying to do. And it's like, I just, I feel really bad for Shara. I feel, I feel awful. So that's, I mean, that's a great part of Final Fantasy VII is that they made you feel that for the character. They made you feel like, holy crap, this dude is kind of an asshole or this guy, this dude is kind of a bad guy. And... That I don't know. I think that's great that that's one that's one element in FF Seven where that moment and that sequence really really made the players react to it. It still works today too. Like I said a few months ago, the dialogue. I mean, uh, you know, if uh, I don't go all the way to that, but the 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 translation for the PS4 port is the same one from the from the PC, mm. and that's an that's an updated uh, translation from the original Final Fantasy Seven version we got in America. So we we do have an updated dub. Yeah, but even. To today, like it's still when you're, when you're watching it, read, you know, you know, watching it play out, it's it's still it still works, man. The 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 script is still good. That you still feel for her. Yeah. Do if you don't, man. I, I kind of want to dive into this. This is obviously a pretty heavy spoiler for seven, but everybody knows about Arius's death at this point. I mean, that's it's just a thing that is a gaming meme. Everybody knows it. Um, I wanted to ask you though, did you, man, Andrew, did you react to it? How did how did you react to Arius's death when you played it for the first time? Did you did you have a big reaction to it, or were you expecting it, or what was your mood like? It's it I get it like um, I'm not a big Star Wars fan, but you kind of compare it to the Luke I'm your father. It Arius's death and like the Luke thing, I heard about so many times mm. before I played the game or before you see that movie. I heard about it so many times. It was spoiled so long before it happened. Yeah, I wish I wish I could have gone into it with the surprise because recently playing it hmm. there's there's a smidge of kind of sad foreshadowing there's a couple of lines of dialogue you'll see that uh one example that stuck with me recently uh, it's still with me is that when you're first in yeah junon junon but you yeah. go up there and you see the high, the high wind and Eris is with you and she's like oh i would love to fly on that someday hmm. and i was like i'm sitting here thinking about it i was like i don't I don't think she's alive when you get the high wind. Like, I, and then I come to find out she's not. She's been uh-huh. gone for a while. And that, that just that one thing is, like, ooh, I'd, I'd love to fly on that someday. And yeah. knowing that she's not going to be there, yeah, it's pretty, pretty intense. Man, I'm I'm in the exact same boat, and I'm going to be honest with you. I have never heard it compared to the the Luke, I am your father thing. But I think that is a perfect 
analogy or it's a perfect comparison because it is it is a moment it is a geek moment or a gaming moment that is so big that everybody on planet earth has had it spoiled for them and and just like you i went into that moment in the game knowing exactly what was going to happen and it completely ruined my experience of it um yeah i wish i wish some things you wish you could just delete a memory and, it, and even even games these days you wish you could just relive a game for the first time or with no prior knowledge and we'll you know we just don't ever get that experience yeah i i'm i'm right there with you um and i think because i knew that because I knew that that was going to happen in the game, it really, it not only ruined that moment for me, it really colored a lot of my experience with Arius in my, my party playing the game for the first time because I didn't want to use her. I didn't want to use her as a character because I knew she was going to bite dust, you know, in, in five or six hours of gameplay. And yeah, no, it really, that um, that moment being spoiled was a big, big thing for me. And it's like, damn, I really wish that hadn't happened. It may, I kind of wish they... Uh... She's definitely a support character. I wish they would uh, have made her a more, I want to say, a more powerful character. I'm going to reference uh, Dragoon because I'm actually playing Dragoon right now. Oh wow! Where they where they make Lavitz actually fairly powerful. Yeah, you know, and they foreshadow in his his little thing a bit too. Mm. If they had made her, if, if I didn't know she's going to die, and they make her a more powerful character, you know, for not not just not not like. Tifa, like she ain't punching people, but she did something like she spun that pole around and she mm-hmm. knocked the crap out of people. But she was powerful, and they made a character that you wanted to use, and you spent all the all that game, you know, using her and leveling her up and getting her material and doing all this stuff, and then boom, she's gone. Yeah, I think that was a great impact too. But that's just something we do, we just we just don't have. It's it's funny that you mentioned Lavitz because actually the reaction I had to Lavitz's death in Legend of Dragoon was a was a much bigger reaction that i had to arius's death i mean admittedly i didn't know lavitz's death was coming when i played legend of dragoon um but man when when lavitz's death happened that shocked me as a kid did you did you have the same reaction with lavitz's death uh, i can't remember the original time I, I, this, this is literally only my maybe my second time yeah. ever playing playing dragoon mm. uh but uh, ironically, it was this this podcast that had uh, gave me the heads up for lavitz that i would not have remembered Oh, uh, I was, damn. I was playing. Now, oh. it's not your fault. I, I, I listen to podcasts all the time, and I expect stuff. I listen to other video game podcasts. I expect the occasional spoiler here and there. Gotcha. And I was like, oh, he's going to die. That's cool. And I got to it. But but it's not like like the Aerith, like the Aerith, Aerith, Aerith whatever. I can't, I can't yeah. jump into the name. Her little foreshadowing. You get lots of foreshadowing. I love the – sometimes knowing is fun because if the writers were doing a good job – they foreshadow it mm. like there's so there's such a bromance between uh dart and lavitz man yeah. like it's a crazy bromance and then boom he's gone i wish they would have gave it you do have i guess with eris if you do the things right you you, you get the date the date the little date at the gold saucer mm. you get all that fun stuff to, to get more memories with her but if you don't use her i guess i don't, I don't know i feel like it maybe loses an impact if you're not using her throughout the game yeah and i have you know, Cloud don't spend if you're not she's not in your party, your battle party, I guess. Yeah. Cloud's not really spending that much time with her. Yeah, I'm I'm completely on the same page and it's a shame because I mean not only was that moment spoiled for us going into it, but yeah, I mean, she wasn't the strongest party member. It could have been made more clear that she was getting ready to eat the dust or bite the dust, but um yeah, overall I, I still think it's obviously a groundbreaking moment in gaming history. It's gotta be the mo- it's probably the most the single most important moment from Final Fantasy Seven as a game. Um but yeah, it's yeah. it's interesting to think about. Um Jeez, I'm never gonna I'm never gonna live myself down for spoiling Lavitz's death for you, dude. I'm, I don't worry about it. I'm, I, you got 
take credit. I'm actually only playing Dragoon again because of your podcast. It got me t- you talking about it. Got me back in the to remember the game was even there and stuff like that. So I'm playing it because I wanted to experience. Because I've <laughs> well, ironically with uh, sevens, you know, original my original copy of seven not working. I've never seen the final cutscene for Dragoon because that disc was so scratched. The final cutscene would never play through on Dragoon. Oh god! So it's, it all comes full circle. Well, I will. I'll offer two more thoughts on that really quick. One is um, I'm gonna. I will spare you a spoiler for another game. Have you played any Dragon Quest games? We're getting off topic a, 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 for a brief moment here, but I want to spare yeah. you a spoiler. I'll, I'll, have to do, I'll have to do other podcasts with you, I guess. Yeah. Uh, I have recently began my with the release of Eleven. Yeah. Uh, originally, I had only played eight on the PlayStation okay. Two. Okay. Uh, and with the re- release of Eleven, I was like, okay, I'm going to play the whole series start to finish. Yeah. So through on my phone on Android, I've actually played all the way through one and two. And I, I intend to play them in order, so I've played one and two all the way through on my phone, and I've got three lined up whenever I find the time to start three. And I'll I've been collecting the other games. I don't know which ones I have off the top of my head. I've been collecting the other games on the DS. So I yeah. intend. Oh, dude! Start to finish the whole thing. That is so fantastic. And i I've played I've played quite a few of the Dragon Quest games. My favorite of the franchise that I've played is five. I think five on the DS is a fantastic remake from the original uh, Super Nintendo version of it. Five is an amazing game, and eleven. When you get around to playing eleven, um, I will not spoil anything for you, but I will say it has, you know, it has a moment like Lavitz or like Arius, and they you will not see it coming. And if you can, you know, do everything in your power to avoid spoilers because it is such an amazing moment in the game, and it's such a it's such a a blindside it will affect you if you don't get it spoiled for you. So I highly, highly recommend maybe even consider playing them out of order. Maybe consider playing 11 because 11 is a fantastic game. You've got to experience it and don't let that get spoiled for you. Yeah. I just wonder if playing, because obviously I've seen all the screenshots and videos of 11 and how gorgeous it is. It'd be, I always thought it'd be hard to go back to the older parts of the franchise, but Dragoon though pretty for its time is, is rough around the edges and yeah, even playing the old Dragon Quests, I'm, I wasn't turned off by their graphics so much as I am by their her uh, random difficulty curves. If you have if you haven't played the old Dragon Quest games, they will they will curve on the difficulty. There's actually been like interviews with the we're man we're totally losing the plot for FF7. Last thought though on Dragon Quest, there's a, a hilarious interview with like one of the Dragon Quest developers, and they are asking him like, "How did you balance the original Dragon Quest?" And he was like, "Oh, we didn't really like playtest it. We just kind of like." just added some numbers <laughs> like he admitted like they didn't even like bother checking i I, ho- I would hope the newer versions have been have some sort of balancing i guess i can't imagine playing the old the old versions how much tougher you know japanese games are always so hard for us americans there's no telling how hard it actually was right no back 11 there. 11 is fair you'll, you'll enjoy 11 but one one thing i wanted to get back to in ff7 um because we're talking about arius and arius's death uh, have you, how did you feel, I don't know if you heard about this, did you hear about the rumor or the, I'm sure when you played the game, I mean, I know when I played the game as a kid, there were millions and millions, I, I heard rumors every week about players who claimed that you could you could spare Arius's death in Final Fantasy VII, or you could bring Arius back in Final Fantasy VII. It felt like the early internet was rife with these rumors, and rumors among gamers and fans of Final Fantasy VII were completely off the charts. Did you ever hear these kinds of rumors about FF7 and Arius? I mean, definitely. I mean, who hasn't tried to bring her back or often question why the Phoenix down wouldn't do her any good? Yeah. Um, I don't know about the recent one. You know, there was a another rash of uh, even this year for April Fools. There was a some there was some 
Final Fantasy Seven Earth lives things happening again even this year so people are still still, still talking about it man man i can't believe that well modern i mean modern pc stuff people have modded her back into the game so i mean not that it, you can do anything with her just you know but she's like a a battle per, per you know member yeah uh it's that's, 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 you know, it's not the, that's not the same impact as bring her back to life how do you feel about ff7 the like the classic version like the, the version of the game that we know the ps1 version of the game or even the pc version of the game how do you feel that game has aged? Do you think it's aged well in terms of, of modern gamers? Do you think it's easy for modern gamers to go back and play it? Or would you say this game has aged poorly? I would say it's aged poorly. It depends on the... I think it's probably hard for modern gamers, like, I don't know, um, maybe teenagers today, or maybe younger kids to maybe get into it because they would just see the graphics and be like, oh, this is gross, mm. and just turn it off because that's just not what games look like now yeah. uh me even recently i think it's aged fine like i don't know i understand why pixel art games and stuff uh, pixel art games also age better and stuff like that these 3d characters don't look great but they have the charm and the the oddities of the the way characters move and the things they do and stuff like that that just the game never feels as many times as i play it the game's never felt old to me I, I think I'm on, I'm right there with you. Um, it's it's FF7 is kind of a game that if it depends on the mind state of the player, right? Like if a play if a, if a person went in with an open mind and even if they hadn't played like an old school JRPG, I think they could really get a lot of enjoyment out of it. But the problem is is that in 2019, kids expect Fortnite and Apex Legends, and well, you know, I even have a friend of mine who his first Final Fantasy was 13, and I've. Mm. Tried to steer steer him in better directions, but he's even to the point where I've tried to get him to play seven, even on a modern console, because he has a PS4, and he's just like, "Yeah, I'm not playing seven. That game looks like crap. I'll just play the remake." And I'm like, "Oh my god, you're. I guess maybe you're the target audience for the remake. It's 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 hard to tell, you know, with, with people like that that won't even play the original mm. and just for the new one to come out. I just I'm always torn and." tried multiple times getting him to play and it just, it just won't won't happen and i feel like there's a lot of people and he's in his 20s dang you know he's 23 or 24 and he won't play and there's no telling how many you know hundreds of thousands of kids people his age that just refuses to play a game like that would rather play 15 or like you said 15 or Fortnite or all the other yeah. I'll say garbage yeah it's out there like it's fine so i'm on, i mean i totally i think i feel the exact same way i mean it's like these games are treasures, but it's it's really hard for modern people to see that if they don't have that sense of nostalgia or if they're not willing to go into it with an open mind. Um, one of the things that FF7 did really well that I really, this is going to sound like bitter of me, I really wish that Square had used this more was just the Materia system. I freaking love the Materia system in FF7, and it honestly kind of ticks me off that they didn't recycle that system for use in later games, like later Final Fantasy games, because I loved combining materials and like finding combinations. Did you have a similar experience when you played FF7? Oh, for sure. Everybody's always seeing what all the different materials can do when you start attaching all to all, you know, the all material to all your, all your little different magics and they start blasting everybody away or yeah. uh, attaching the like, I think counter, you can attach all kinds of fun things to counter. And there's no telling like YouTube with the many, many different in, insane combinations like you read about. Like when I talked about uh, 
the wep- the weapon strategies, ruby weapon or emerald weapon. Mm. There's tons of people who just use these crazy material combinations that you would just never think of, and they it just they just wipe these super bosses off the map with these crazy materia just materials you wouldn't think work together actually do. Wow. And people, I'd say even even if we can get younger people, or whatever, to play this set this, this game these days, which hopefully they are now with the new releases of them. Mm. You might people might still find new combinations like that. There's so much potential in that system. Yeah, I, I think the the most. Remember, I remember when I was a kid, bro. You know, like growing up, I remember the most broken combo I heard of when I played the game was final attack and then the phoenix summon. Like that. Yeah. That was a. That's a pretty broken combination. Yeah, we got you got the. Uh, always people always talked of a. I think it's either mimic or mime. One of the ones where if your one character has a copy of Knights of the Round and your other two characters have mime or mimic, mm. then you could just keep casting. They cast one person cast knights and then the other two people just mime it, and you just keep casting Knights of the Round infinitely. That's some crazy insanity too. Jeez, man, Knights of the Round like Knights of the Round was such a crazy summon. I mean, it's amazing to me that. In, I mean, summons are a huge part of Final Fantasy's like lore and character stories, like moving forward in every Final Fantasy game. And I think, if I'm being brutally honest, I still I don't know if anything's ever lived up to Knights of the Round. I mean, did you play FF15? Oh yeah, unfortunately. Did you? I mean, the summons looked visually crazy in 15. I mean, Ramu looked crazy, and a lot of the summons looked crazy in that game. But I mean, Knights of the Round is still the OG to me, and it's it's like, it's how do you beat that? I mean, how do you beat that summon? There's, I don't think there's any way. I'm trying to think of the other final because all some of the, uh, let's see, ten had the, what were they called? The Magus Sisters, and that's yeah. so powerful in that game. They're they pale in comparison to Knights of the Round or any other. Oh yeah, and, and even uh that weird alien Eden from uh Final Fantasy Eight, the weird alien oh, thing. That's that one, right. I forgot about that you know, one. The, you know, the, the boosting thing you do in eight. She's like one of the few you can boost. I say she, who knows? Yeah. That you can boost all the way to, to max power. And that even, as strange as that is, I mean, nobody talks about those things as much as you've, you, you've heard Knights of the Round. You heard about Knights of the Round, like, before the, you know, bef- maybe before the game came out, you heard all your friends talk about Knights of the Round. Everybody yeah. talks about Knights of the Round. It's, it lives beyond, it, it's a, it's a legacy all its own. It's, it's also just, it's got to be up there for the longest summon. I mean, it's like, it is like what a two minute cutscene when you summon that thing. It's like, yeah. it's like, it's like hit that summon button and like go to the bathroom, you know, yeah. and come back. You're like, oh, we're still going. I got to find something else to do. <laughs> yeah. No, the, the designers, when they made that, they were like, they just were like, screw it, man. We're just like making a full on cutscene. <laughs> so uh, yeah, for real, uh, when the, uh, one of the enhancements on the PS4 is the, the speed you can make the stuff go faster. Yeah, and even when you increase the speed on Knights of the Round, it's still lengthy. Jeez, good God, that's crazy, man! Oh man, that's wild. Also, do you have any? Do you have what about your? Do you have any aside from Knights? Any of your favorite of your summons from Seven? Oh geez, let me think. I remember really liking Ramu. I'm always, I'm honestly a huge fan of Ramu or Rama or however you want to say it. I'm a huge fan of the like lightning summons. I remember thinking yeah. it was a. I mean, it's always like Mister Wizard looking kind of stuff, but it was a pretty, it was a pretty yeah. sick one. Um. For some reason, oh, I whenever I think of my favorite summons from all of Final Fantasy, I actually go to to Final Fantasy VIII. I really like Tonberry from Final Fantasy VIII a lot. Um, I always thought it was cool that you could summon, or that, that Tonberry is actually like a, a guardian force or a GF in that game, but totally, totally losing the plot. But in FF7, yeah, I mean, 
Gosh, Hades was really cool. I thought Hades was super sick, but also kind of scared the crap out of me too. Uh, uh, Alexander. Yeah, he's a, he's a pretty good, he's a pretty good hidden one. Yeah, definitely a really good hidden one too. Man, there were some great ones in the game. Jeez, various Bahamuts. God. Yeah, one wasn't one one Bahamut wasn't enough for Final Fantasy Seven. <laughs> right, right. It's it's funny whenever I tell people about like whenever I'm talking to people about Final Fantasy Seven and I like make a reference to like Bolt Two or Bolt Three, they always like they always forget that they didn't use the naming conventions that they use in later Final Fantasy games. So like, well, no, it was Fire, Fyra, Fyraga. And I'm like, no, bro. Like in FF7, it was like Fire 1, Fire 2, Fire 3. Yeah. I don't think they updated that on the, on the, on the re-releases either. I hate, cause I didn't use that much magic, but I, I don't think they even updated that. It's when, uh, kind of like how the only other game that does it was with your old episodes was, uh, Final Fantasy Tactics. Yeah. It's original version was numbers, but they changed it when, with the War of the Lions, Jeez, I didn't realize that, man. That's that's important. No, I like the original translation of the game, but that's that's me. <laughs> As we start to wind this thing down, is there uh, is there any anything you've got to get off your chest about FF Seven? Any lingering things you want to throw out in the universe? Well, we you know, God, we can go off forever. We didn't even we, we didn't even speak of the good old Sephiroth himself. Oh, but, <clears throat> dude, we have we have to dive into that. Give me your thoughts. <laughs> give me your thoughts on the OG anime villain. Sephiroth. I think he's the baddest guy around, man. Like, there's never people always, you know, like, oh, what about Kefka? Kefka did it, you know. He yeah. he did what he wanted to. Sephiroth kind of fails in the end. I was like, I don't know, man. Yeah. Sephiroth has the presence, the look, everything he needs to just make him as iconic as he needs to be. And his own theme song, of course, you only hear it at the end of the game the one time, but the theme song that you hear once so iconic i mean everybody knows one winged angel yeah but uh i don't know he's tough he's tough uh i always thought it was strange in that game that every time you see him throughout uh we come to find out it's not really him i guess it's a, a not a, like an image like a he's projecting himself out into the world mm. well, he always you know beats the crap out of you and runs off or you don't really ever fight him he like knocks you down and does his little thing and runs away does yeah. what he does when you uh but you're never really nothing ever happens in that game that sets you on a path to make to make you believe that you're ever more powerful than Sephiroth. Yeah, and you kind of, kind of just go to the go to the end, and you kind of just you know you fight the last boss and beat 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 him into the ground, and that's it. I always thought that was strange. You know, some RPGs will have you run around and you know, you know you find the magic sword that wins everything and all that kind of stuff happens. But that was one thing that always kind of rubbed me the wrong way in Seven is that you're never actually superior to Sephiroth. You just kind of have to end, have to win because that's how the game's supposed to end. Yeah, I think honestly, I think what freaks me out the most about Sephiroth was his really weird relationship with Genova. Um, like, I mean, that is that is some like next level sci-fi horror crap. I mean, like it is it is intense. It is freaky. The the it's just it was man. It's like it is it, it is honestly a horror movie at certain points um, and. Like, yeah, is, is, I completely agree. As, as scary as Kefka could have been, I mean, Kefka was on, you know, a 16-bit console, and they couldn't realize the real um, the real awkwardness or strangeness uh, of Kefka. Whereas in, you know, for Final Fantasy VII, those cutscenes scared the pants off me as a kid. They scared the crap out of me as a kid. Yeah, the, the famous one where he burns the whole town to the ground. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's... 
burned into everybody's memory. Everybody who plays seven, that's burned your memory for the rest of your life. Dude, every time I think about um, Genova, I always think of those like eco chambers that they like you look into, you peer into, and you see the freaky monsters inside these like these like pods. It's like, dude, like that was a very very horror esque sequence and. Yeah, Severoth is not only a powerful character, his just origin story is really freaky throughout, and I think that's probably why he was cemented as such an iconic uh, anime-esque villain, you know, for JRPGs. He's just a crazy, he's a crazy villain, and his background is horrifying. Yeah, you know, uh, unless I'm remembering incorrectly, uh, I think it's shared... What's her name? God, uh, the Vincent's girlfriend, wife, whatever she was. Yeah, Lucretia. Lucretia. She was actually the surrogate for Sephiroth. Right. Yeah. That's that's God. It's yeah, even more horrifying. Another weird snippet you get. I think because there was no whatever, but I think through the doctor would inject her and like with Genova's cells. I think what it was. You know, the story's convoluted. Yeah. But I think she would be the surrogate, and she would give birth to Sephiroth, and it. I don't know. It's also very strange. It, it, you think it'd be interesting to see her or to see him have see him have some sort of reaction or, or, or meeting her at some point. I don't know if she does and if he sees her before. Yeah. What's it called? Crisis Core. Yeah, the, the whole like sequences where he's calling Genova mother and it's just very sci-fi and very... Uh, dude, it just it gives me chills, honestly, thinking about it. All those sequences, I'm just like, oh, dude, this is like straight up horror game. Like, ugh. Yeah, we have the scene where he rips the little robot piece off the front, and she's on the on the back. It's one of those flashbacks. Yeah, yeah. Real Genova behind that weird machine. Yeah, it, all, God, it just it it does it sticks with you forever. Yeah, it it also helped that like in like when you go into like when you do the flashback sequences where you're playing as Young Cloud and you're like in the party with Sephiroth, you can see like what a badass he is. Like he's got like crazy magic and crazy attacks. <laughs> Yeah, you fight. You fight like it's like that's the first time you see those green dragons. And he's like, I don't, I don't care about no dragons. Yeah, Oof. yeah. Just dude, they did a great job of setting him up as a villain. Man, how could we? For- God, how could we forget Sephiroth, dude? Oh, ma- massive fail. There's just there's too much amazing content in this game to cover in one episode. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. All right, my brother just snuck in. The we go back to the Zolum when you first when you first cross the water, you see the other mm-hmm. Zolum. Apparently, there was, apparently there was two. Yeah, Sephiroth. Lights to just spear one up on a tree. Yeah, yeah. There, what he can do. Yeah, dude, he is he's crazy powerful, crazy freaky. His backstory is super intense. Like, what more do you need to make an epic anime game villain? Like, dude is crazy. Well, I mean, he's the best. I don't know. I mean, I can, I can. I haven't completed every Final Fantasy, but you play play them all. I don't think even if I get. I mean, I, I haven't even seen all what Kefka does, but or any other Final Fantasy, like you know, 15's villain, whatever his name was, already forgot. Yeah, I did. I've forgotten as well. He, he can't. He needs nothing to Sephiroth. Like nobody will ever be. Yeah, he is the he is the OG forever. People have been people have been begging for Sephiroth and Smash Bros for so long because Clouds and Smash Bros. We need Sephiroth and Smash Bros. What do you think? Should Sephiroth be in Smash Bros? Oh, sure, that's a perfect fit. Dude, let's go for it, man. It's like the floodgates are open. Just let anybody in. They might as well. I mean, you put the you put the games on the you know you put the Final Fantasies on the console, but you might as well put all those characters in there. Dude, that would be intense, man. That would be super intense. Well, I think I think I've exhausted my FF seven uh, quirks and interests for now. But uh, man, it was so much fun having you on the podcast, Andrew. Thank you so much for taking the time to be on here. It was a pleasure getting to talk to you about this amazing game. Yeah, man. I've had a great time. I was looking forward to this. 
Cool. I'll see you same time next week then, yeah? <laughs> you got another game? <laughs> yeah, well, you, dude, you and your bro always have an open invitation to be on the podcast, if for no other reason than to catch up on Legend of Ligaya. But yeah, I don't know. Maybe we'll catch up sometime down the road, hit up another great game. I want to know how your Dragon Quest run comes along and how you wrap up Legend of Dragon. So definitely keep me updated. Yeah, I'll let you know. I just started a. Uh... Discs two of Legend of Dragoon, so I'm getting 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 in there, getting to the meat of it. Nice, oh dude, that is such a great game. It's it's definitely it. I mean, it definitely shows its age. But if you're looking for a PS1 JRPG with like this long, intricate story and some crazy power ups, ah, I love that game so much. But I'm glad you're enjoying it. Yeah, thanks for having me. Until next time, guys. Keep on sharing the games you love with the people you like. See you guys next time on Scanline Vibes. Well, uh, just thanks for having me, man. I look forward to coming on here, on here again sometime.